Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Haunted House. Hello, and a very dark, windy, stormy, and cold welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Haunted House. Hello and another very dark, windy and stormy, cold welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Haunted House. My name is Dan Cottrell and I am the host in the Haunted House and also editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. In this podcast, three unsuspecting coaches have been invited to enter the Haunted House. I will lead each one into a room where they will face a terrifying rugby scenario because they are brave, though perhaps foolhardy, that coach will conquer the fear, finding a coaching solution on the spot, no preparation, and no get-out clauses. No depends. The other two coaches will listen in, and at the end of the solution will offer alternative views. The first will probably build on the answers so far, but we want the second to act as a devil's advocate. They will give us an alternative, not one that they might agree with, but a different perspective. So let me introduce you to our intrepid, fearless and slightly nervous coaches. From North Wales, where the internet works so well, the first female Welsh Rugby Union Regional Academy coach, a former international with 67 caps, coaching the Barbarians and Crawshaws women's teams, plus head coach of Colwyn Bay RFC men's team, it's Rachel Taylor. Hello, Dan. Thank you very much. It's a lovely welcome in this uh, intrepid haunted house. Feeling slightly nervous already. That's good. So apart from this, what scares you most? Um, ironically, I listened to, to the last haunted house and there was no spiders in there. So I thought I'd tick the predictable box for you and say spiders. And after a day of DIY, I can confirm that it is spiders that I'm scared of. Any size of spider? I don't know. I think it's speed of spider that I'm more afraid of. Not size. All right. Okay. Speed in which it moves. <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, I must say that spiders are also on my list of things I'm scared of. Right. So on to the southeast. And in fact, someone who went to school in the same villages where I used to live, and even, I think, we worked out, played in the same team as me, though he is probably about 30 years younger than me. Uh, a level three coach, an RFU course director, coached in Italy, and now the rugby professional at Magdalen College, Oxford, Russell Bolton. Welcome to the Haunted House, Russ. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here in such a esteemed company. It is very esteemed. I can tell you I'm honoured that we have these scary people with us. So what scares you most? Um, again, I'll, I'll follow suit with Rachel and go for a fairly, well, hopefully a common one, but mine would be heights. And what is a dangerous height for you? I know you're on your sofa at the moment. Is that dangerous? Yeah, and a few people who will be listening will say I'm vertically challenged, so it makes sense. So, uh, But no, it's uh, a little bit higher than that. But yeah, I'm not, uh, not great with them, to be fair. And uh, now we're going to travel down the road to the South Coast. Uh, senior fellow in sports coaching at the University of Winchester, was awarded the MBE in recognition for his work in community education and sport. Uh, works extensively with the RF, 
you as well as other top sports governing bodies, Richard Cheatham. Welcome to the Haunted House, Rich. Thank you very much. Welcome, welcome, everybody. And uh, I can't think anything scares you, uh, but there must be one thing. Well, I did have a very philosophical kind of answer to that question. And that's um, more about not regretting things. The fear of thinking, I wish I could have or wish I should have. There you go. Other than that, nothing scares me. Well, they were. That's what I that's what I thought. But that's yes. That uh, if I could say the word philosophical. Yes, that would uh, that is quite. Yeah, it's very thoughtful. Sorry, it isn't meant to be pretentious or anything like that, but because I'm the oldest one on here, there's lots of things I still would love to do, and I want to make sure that I still find time to do them. Well, that's made me think I need to do a few things. Uh, maybe write a good joke to fit into yeah. this show. <laughs> right. Okay, uh, so I'm now opening the front door. It is large, slow-moving and thick. That's the door, by the way. Luckily, we have three great coaching minds at work here, and they have empowered me to push the door open myself. And we are in the great entrance hall of the haunted house. On the left, we can see the library door is open. Ah! That's where they keep the books, Russ. We rattle the chairs before we entered the house. And it was Russ. Who gets to go first? Cheats, you will be the devil's advocate. Uh, just to remind you, we will walk through the coaching scenario and then you will answer and the devil's advocate will jump in. So we will now walk to the stairs of the cellar, which was once reputed to be a dungeon and a place of torture and pain. There's some diagrams of an Auckland grid on the walls. Ah! Russ, how do you feel? Are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be, Dan. All right. So the door is open. Welcome to the dungeon. And here is the coaching scenario. You are coaching a men's team in a strong league. It's mid-season and you've lost a few games. The boys look tired and in truth, they've deserved to lose. Your development team is also struggling, but the players have been working hard to build up some momentum. They are young and impressionable. You have been mentoring their coach who looks up to you. The captain, who is in his second season at the club, asks for Tuesday night off for all the players. So what do you do? So I'm just going to go through that again while you gather your thoughts. It's mid-season, lost a few games. The boys are tired and in truth they've deserved to lose. Your development team is also struggling, but have been working hard to build up some momentum. They are young and impressionable. You have been mentoring their coach who looks up to you. The captain, who is in his second season at the club, asked for Tuesday night off for all the players. What are you going to do? So, first of all, I'm thinking I want to find out a little bit more information from the captain around why they want the night off. So, my uh, I guess my instinct is to sort of say, OK, if that's what the players want, then that's that's probably a good thing. But I'd be quite keen to know why he's asked for that so is it a case of um they just don't want to train that night are they going to use it for something else so if he said to me or she said to me we're going to have tuesday night off and go and socialize and do a bit of team bonding go for a curry or something then that might 
look a bit different to uh, just having the night off and not training. Um, I then want to sort of go, well, who, when he says he wants all the players off, um, is that people who've just been involved in that first team who are struggling? Um, would there be boys? Is that all the players that are bought into having the night off or would there be people that, that would still be keen to train? Um, and maybe that's an indication to me that if we did do some sort of training, that maybe it wouldn't be rugby based. We'd look to maybe do something uh, a bit more lighthearted and, and bring the energy back in uh, from there. Those would probably be my initial thoughts. And how about the, the coach that you're mentoring? What would you say to them? Um, I think if we ended up taking the night off because it was best for the players and it's what they wanted, then I think that would be a really good time to uh, probably hold a, a bit of a mentoring session with him, sit down, maybe do some planning or review what's going well for him uh, or her or where where they want to take things. So I think um, you could still use that time really productively. Um, or it could be that... Um, you know, maybe actually they're feeling it too. We have to be empathetic to our coaches. So maybe actually him, he or she having the night off, that coach having the night off might might be best for them too. And it just gives us a chance to refresh and maybe come into a, let's, if presumably we're training on a Thursday, we come in with maximum energy for that one session leading into the next round of games. Have you ever done this? Have you ever said, uh, right, we are going to take um, one of the nights off? And actually not train at all, not do anything? Um, my, I, in the past, my we would usually target around games, uh, weeks where we don't have games, potentially. Um, we would look at, if we didn't have a game, then we'd probably uh, take a Tuesday or a Thursday off, just depending whether you wanted. If you take a Thursday off, you get give the guys an extended weekend, so they maybe get to socialise a bit more, go out on a Friday night or whatever, and and have that. Or if um, if you take the Tuesday off, then obviously you get a bit more time to recover from maybe the, the previous game. So, yeah, I've definitely done that. Um, would be rare that, to be honest, I'd say it'd probably be rare that people wouldn't want to train on a week before a game. I've not been in that situation, but. Um, if it was what the players wanted and it was with the right intent, then I couldn't see it being a problem. OK. Tails, what would you do? Yeah, I think I'd, you know, similarly follow suit. I think if there's an opportunity and the, the players have said that they, they want that night off, like, you know, I've certainly been in scenarios where um, we've, we've had that and, and, I, and I've listened to the players and, and we've had those, you know, maybe not just the captain, but a, a player leadership group have had that conversation that a few of the players are tired so if if that is the scenario I, I think you've got that opportunity with the development team there that potentially they're still training so is there an opportunity for you to maybe jump in with that development team and help out that that coach who's who you know is, is looking up to you and if they're sort of young and impressionable impressionable players they might appreciate the fact that you've given the you know the the senior team a a break in that you know you you want to listen to the players take on board how they're feeling as well I think certainly probably can relate to some scenarios where we've probably trained once a week and we've still cancelled it but not necessarily as you're mentioning due to players not wanting to train but potentially facilities so 
is it sometimes a scenario where if you know a North Whalian pitches are nice and wet like if you're not going to get the quality out of a training session sometimes is it worth you doing it particularly if they're in that mind frame of having a few losses on the bounce okay okay cheats come in with something uh, an alternative well it seems strange that a team that wants to get better is actually going to do less They're not really offering the coach any solution other than saying we want to not train as much so i don't really understand how they can justify that the solution is how can the team get better and saying well we just want to train once a week i mean it's not really very convincing because then i would want to know what you're going to do on that tuesday night so there's not much you know i i understand that you know, there may be some change, like Russ says about refresh. I think that's very different from not doing. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of somebody coming up with saying, well, we don't want to train. We just want to train once a week. But I would just want to say, well, you, the predicament we're in is we're not doing very well and you're actually wanting to do less. If, if that is the case... Uh, what, and you said, right, we are going to train on the Tuesday. Would the training session look different from your normal training session? Would you be looking to change what you did? Well, now I preach my role as, uh, as kind of devil's advocate. Yeah. It, but my devil's advocate hat says, um, my devil's advocate says that I don't, I don't see how training lessons are going to get you better. Right. You know, the, you, you're not really empowering the players, which is what you want to do. You're actually only giving the, the contribution to not train as much. It's not really what I really see as empowerment. I mean, if you said to me, Tuesday, we're going to go and work individually, we're going to go to the gym, we're going to work in groups, have WhatsApp groups, we're going to go to the gym and we're going to work together. We're still going to train, we're not going to come to the club, we're going to diarise what we do. Um, I'd be receptive to that. But by simply just saying we're not training, well, sorry, I'd say to you that's not good enough. Okay, so I sense that um, um, obviously that would be the alternative view. Now, in reality, would you would you think that would be the the sort of line that you would take? Um, I, I, would, I would be able to stand up in front of a group of people and you talk about being empathetic, you know, and I understand the concept of empathy, but, you know, I, I also think it's a level of accountability. Um, you know, accountability to one another, accountability to the coach, accountability to the club, accountability to everybody associated with the, that team. You know, I, I just think you, I just don't think it's a very constructive way of improving performance. So, Russ, um, now you've got a chance to reflect a little bit more. What's uh, what would you add? Change? Let's keep the same. Um, I think of the sort of comments that come back. It's I mean it's fairly easy to focus on what Rich was saying because it was so vastly different. So I think, you know, I I wonder in the, in the question, Cheats is alluding to kind of them not wanting to train Tuesdays at all anymore. Whereas I wonder if it's a one-off, then that's a very different situation. I'd approach that really differently if they said they wanted to go down to one training night a week then if they're playing a reasonably 
high level which it suggests that they are then that probably for me wouldn't wouldn't be something I'd want to want to look towards what I would probably take from that is maybe try and frame to them okay so you don't want to train tonight but actually is that they don't want to train in the um, sort of in the traditional sense so could we then go well actually we'd quite like to get you in but could we provide a number of alternatives so whether it be um, depending on facilities a, a pure fitness session for people or um, an individual skills night or getting a guest in to do something different whether it be along the lines of psychology or yoga or just a different voice for them so actually then maybe we'd get the benefit of still training and improving and getting better but maybe freshening it up from that side um, but I do think ultimately if they could justify to me why they didn't want to train that evening and I felt there were positives towards it then I'd you know if I trusted my captain which I'd hope I would he's been there for a couple of seasons hopefully we've got that relationship I think I'd probably probably go with it well thank you all right we're going to uh, move on to the next room so we're going to go back upstairs and then up another flight of stairs and here we are uh, looking over the battlements the moon is shining Christ. Casting ghostly shadows over the lake. Um, I was going to do some terrible joke about uh, whales there, but then I re realised who I was going to skin into the next room. So uh, tails, you're into the uh, going to go into the tower, and uh, the room, the tower, not locking you in the tower. And uh, Russ, you're going to be the devil's advocate. Uh, so tails, are you ready to enter this haunted room? I am. I still want to know what the Welsh joke was, but we'll go back to that. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any. Uh, <laughs> I've got a joke uh, about. Um, I've got a joke about boats and lakes. You want that one? Do you want that one? Go on no. then. Well, during this lockdown, um, I decided to upskill myself, so I uh, started building yachts in a converted attic. Sales have gone through the roof recently. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm glad you told that joke, not me. <laughs> Tell them. Right, so here we are. Right, here we Sorry. are. Going into the room. Into the room. Welcome right. to the room at the top Off we of go. the tower. Uh, you've come in to coach this men's team. A big fanfare from everywhere as the first woman coach for this club. You are realistic, though. They haven't had a good run for a while now. Of course, it all changes with your hard work and efforts. And you'll find yourself three games away from promotion into a national league. On Monday, you get a call from a friend who's on the committee. He tells you that if the team is promoted, they have lined up a player coach from New Zealand to take over next season. And you'll be asked to step down and take the seconds. So while you're thinking about that, I'll just um, tell everybody again that you've come in to coach this men's team. A big fanfare. That's the first woman coach for this club. You're realistic, though. They haven't had a good run for a while now. Of course, it all changes with your hard work and efforts. You find yourself three games away from promotion into a national league. And on Monday, you get a call from a friend on the committee, and he tells you that if the team are promoted, they have lined up a player coach from New Zealand to take over next season, and you'll be asked to step down and take the seconds. What do you do, Tails? Wow, it's like you've been around on my Thursday nights, Dan. Um, yeah, I'm really kidding. Uh, so I think probably if I'm looking at that, 
I think it's very much an emphasis on where the coach is currently at their at their moment in time, I suppose, and how they feel they are in their career, their opportunities, whether they want to progress in their career. Uh, also, though, potentially where they see themselves within the club. So I can probably use a couple of examples. If it's an opportunity to take the seconds, I would be thinking that could be a great opportunity for growth, a great opportunity to introduce players from a youth side into a second side to keep the senior team afloat. I think I'd probably want to have a delve a little bit more around who the player coach is that they've lined up and, and a little bit about his or her background um, re regarding sort of how the structure of the club that would fit in. I think most rugby clubs have succession plans. So I, you know, I'd, I'd probably welcome it from, from that perspective. I think uh, previous experience in roles, I don't think there's, there's any harm in going all the way up to the top and then starting all the way down again. I think if, if a club has a good, I was going to say like a filter system, but you know, rather than that hierarchy for where things come from the top and they filter down through the sections, I think it's just as important that they filter back up. So movement of coaches within a community club, I don't think is, is a bad thing. I think it gets you there at all levels, but um, personally, as I said, I probably want to delve into that, who the, who that coach is, if we felt they were right for the rugby club and, and, and saw it in the same way uh, that the, the, myself, the players and the rest of the committee saw, saw the club heading in. Okay, I mean, I obviously it is a pretty horrible situation to be in, um, and obviously there are some emotional ties and sense of perhaps anger. How, how does one sort of approach that? Because there are going to be setbacks like that which are out of your control. How would you go about starting that process for yourself? I think personally. It as I said about that part of where you are in on your own little journey, um, not to detract your relationship with a rugby club or, or or a club that you you know if it's one you've grown up at or if it's one you've you've been employed by, but I, th I do think it's quite important for you. I think most well, I'm assuming like most coaches would have potentially a, a bit of a framework that they'd want to work to within the club, so where they see that club developing in two years, three years time. Uh, what's what's the player, you know amount of players coming through at each um, position, each age grade, are there going to be anything that you're going to, uh, you know, are there any stop gaps that the club needs to be concerned about? And I think if if you're in a comfortable place to move, it's a lot easier, obviously, if, if you're in that scenario and you're really happy and you're like, I've done all the hard work and I'm going to get promoted, then I can imagine it being quite a, an emotional connection that you've got with those players and it would be quite difficult to step down. But I think... Maybe that's where you'd have discussions with the committee, with that player. Is that something you could do a, a level of time where you work together? So there's a bit of a handover period. To, so it's not just a stop start. Um, that that would be how I would probably approach it. Cheats, what would you suggest or what would you do if you were in a similar sort of situation? I mean, I, I've seen this before. And I, I think one of the sad things is that uh, it's almost a message to the coach that they're not good enough. They've reached their level, and we know that coaches are always on that w way of getting better. And we have that coaching journey where we start 
And there's a real affinity between you know Rachel and the players because you have that shared experience. You understand the culture that's in the club. You understand the individual characteristics and the characters. And I've, I'm always mindful of what message does it send through the club once you make a decision that seems to think that something's better. I've been disappointed with that in community clubs when they've moved aside people who have have that. And I would really want to invest in the in the coach and support the coach. Um, I'd rather bring in maybe you know I don't rate Rachel whether your specialism is a forwards coach or a backs coach or you would want I don't know to me to go out and see if I can find someone who can support a specialist position for you. Um, and then also the players as well. What do the players then think that maybe the, the coach is not good enough, maybe the players aren't good enough? And then what do you start to do? You start, not start to bring in players to replace those who've taken you to that stage? Okay. Um, and I think that uh, the way that you're suggesting there is you're very much focused on trying to carry on building relationships rather than passing people over. I, I just think it's, I think it's very disrespectful and if I was that coach who's taken a promotion, I would feel that someone's telling me that I'm not competent enough and they're not investing in me. I would, I'd want to celebrate what they've done. I'd want to nurture them as a coach. I'd want to try and get this coach that is in for the long haul rather than a transitory coach who comes in and may not change things for the. And then you've got to go and pick all the pieces up and reconnect with a coach who may have. I mean, Rachel is very. Graceful, I have to say, you've taken it, you know, remarkably, um, you know, uh, with perspective. But I would, I would really support you and try and see how we can put things in place around you with the next season um, in terms of maybe investing in your development and, and bringing people in to support you, but not to go above you. Russ, can you give us maybe an alternative way? Oh yeah, it's easy. I'd go in all guns blazing. Like it's outrageous. Um, I think realistically, rugby's a small world, and if you're um, if you've just come into sort of uh, uh, your first role or first female coach at club, if after a season they try and downscale your role or whatever it might be, that's your reputation. That's, that's you know, that's how people will feel they can treat you. So I'd be looking to go in and, and give an ultimatum and I'd there'd be a couple of things to it for me. First of all, it'd be, well, I've got the guys to this point. We've got a great connection. What's to say we can't take them even further? Um, I'd want to go, you know, if you feel you need to bring in this player coach, maybe he will help us on the field, but get him to come in and support me as head coach. You know, he's how effective can a player coach be as a head coach anyway? No offence, Dan. Um, but um, <laughs> that wasn't Thank hard you. back to your days. But um, you know, it's how you know how effective can someone be when they're on the field? I'll be head coach. He can come over and, and lead on the field and support me in what we're doing. Or ultimately, you say, do you know what? How often do you get to leave a club with a promotion under your belt? Usually, you're leaving when you've struggled. So promotion under your belt, you'll have a number of clubs biting your hand off to have you anyway. Um, that's the route I'd go. So you would actually probably get ahead of it and uh, maybe even say, right, well, that's great. I'll, um, I'll move on because uh, other clubs will want me. I think I'd have that option in my back pocket, definitely. Yeah. 
Tails, now you've had a chance to sort of think back on, which I think is a pretty tricky situation. And I mean, I did say uh, the first woman coach for this club, but it, I, I don't think that is for me the main thing here. It's uh, when you come in and started up something and achieve something. What, what would you do in addition or would you take an alternative route now? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I quite like the idea of obviously if you've you've got the club and those players to a promotion, it's it's probably one of the few opportunities you'd get to leave on a on a swung song. So that's not that's not such a bad thing. But I think you know probably a little bit of the com, com, both conversations really, and that obviously you know if if you're happy or I would be happy to step step um, aside for for a new coach to come in, I think I'd probably want to challenge the committee a little bit to to what where their aims are and their aspirations are to take the club. I think it's difficult if there's a, a push for promotions and uh, trophies, you know, where does that leave the club? I think if there's a terminology of it's a step down to take the seconds, then I'd be concerned that straight away that's potentially a first, second team rift, which might be a rift at coaching level and, uh, you know, f- might not sit well at the club, but equally, um, you know, I I would probably also have that as a a thought to you know is a step down. I don't like the the use of that, but step it stepping into another role. So as it, if it's an opportunity, you know, if you had a buy, if you had an emotional buy-in with the club, perhaps it's putting your focus to support the youth team or something to help player retention because obviously that's like the biggest drop-off we have. So um, maybe just change focus over there. That's if I could control my 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 feelings and not go in all guns blazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm I'm pretty sure that you'd probably also speak speak your mind on it as well. I mean, this is um, as as Cheats says, this is, happens more than it should, and it is not it's not very healthy. So, Cheats is are we just to develop sort of some of the things you, you've talked about, and obviously you see a lot of coaches and involved with lots of young coaches. What would you say to them if they faced that situation and they were they rang you up and said, "Look, this is what's going to happen to me. What should I do next?" You know, I've been a player and I've been, you know, coach at a club when all of these things have happened, and not all the time, I have to say. And I would say that um, what the coach needs to do is to to really consider not start stepping back and accepting it um you know as ross says there's clubs that take you would bite your hand off but what if that club is you know i've been with the club based for years and um fortunately i've not had i've seen lots of politicking but maybe you know i wouldn't want to leave that club because if it's not just leaving the club it's leaving the players leaving the the community and the connection and geographically maybe have to travel and drive to a different place that may not be local and may not be in the same league. Um, and I would really, I would say to the coach that I think you you need to not, I would consider the views of the players. I, I think the players need to know what's happening. What would their views be? Because they're going to be the recipient of the new coaching and the new coach. And the second team role is not developmental for the coach. I, mean, I, I think Rach has been really, you know, absolutely spot on with the challenges that we have at community rugby is about retaining players 
that thing about retaining youth, uh, youth, and and actually just generally retaining players. So I'd say something up really. I would say invest in me as a coach. You're investing in the club, and you're showing the loyalty to me that I'm showing to you. Ultimately, you might not be able to change their mind, but I think you must present yourself where you want would want to go. Russ, what would you just add to that? I mean, now again. That makes uh, makes a lot of sense to me in terms of um, you've got to think about yourself as much as as much as possible in here in your own development as well. Would would you add anything to that? Yeah, I think it comes down to the, the balance view. Is it comes down to what your motivation is as a coach and, and and what you're trying to do. If your if your ambition is is around moving up leagues and having success and your ego's tied into it a bit, then then potentially, yeah, you, you go down that hard route. If, um, you know, if, as Rachel says, actually there's an emotional tie or you see the, the seconds as as a good challenge for you. Um, I think I think the one thing to be aware of it and pulling it back to like real life experience is that second teams are pretty hard to manage at most clubs, particularly if you're saying they're going up to National League. So we're looking at level six. So, you know, a second team playing around level eight, nine, ten. You know, that's, it's not, my experience is it's not the same. It's not regular coaching of your team. It's sporadic involvement across different nights. And I think that would play a big part in what I'd want to want to like what I get out of my coaching. Well, I think it's unfortunately a scenario which comes up uh, far, far too often where the committee seem to be on a slightly different sheet to, uh, to everybody else. We're now going to go downstairs. We're going down the laundry chute. We're into the hall again, and we're into the study. And it smells a bit like my jokes, old and fusty. Luckily, the dad joke legend, that is Richard Cheatham, will be able to light up this room. So, uh, Richard, you probably got a study joke uh, to hand. Please save me from further embarrassment. Yeah, it's not a study joke. It's a library joke, which is very appropriate for the haunted house. Really, I I, um, I went into the local library and I said, "Have you got any books on paranoia?" And the woman said to me, "Yes, they're behind you." <laughs> it's, it's the accent which does it. It's uh, is that whispered accent <laughs> which. Really... I'm not sure if I laughed. Maybe I cried. I, anyway, we all move. Yeah, right. So. Cheats, are you ready to go into the study? I am, yes. You Sorry are. about that joke. I'm surprised you haven't that, cut me off. I thought it was a very good one. I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Tails, you're going to be the devil's advocate on this one, so uh, the alternative view. So, Cheats, here we go. Welcome to the study. You're working with an established men's team. Your coaching and playing philosophy is aligned to reducing structure within the team and how the team plays. And you're also a very player-centered coach. You are aiming for empowerment from the players to find their own way through games with good decision-making. You've worked hard to improve this, which is better than they probably think it is. But the feedback that they crave is being told what to do, not having to think, and they want structure. While they like a game of touch rugby at the start of training, they only like their version of touch rugby, no other versions. And after that, they much prefer to split forwards and backs. So while you're just thinking what to do, I just remind 
uh, everybody that you're working with an establishment's team. Uh, you want to reduce structure, very player-centered coach. You're aiming to empower the players to find decisions, their own decisions in the games. And you've worked hard to improve this, uh, though they're probably better than they think. The feedback is that they actually, in fact, crave to be told what to do, not having to think and want structure. While they like touch rugby at the start of training, they only like their own version. And after that, they just want to split forwards and backs. What do you do, Cheats? Well, it's very difficult for me to change my philosophy. It's not something I'm prepared to do. Somebody said, well, what's the biggest mistake I ever made? And I said, that's conforming. Uh, you know, I kind of like the feel of being a non-conformist. But, um, you know, I think uh, my philosophy is, is going to stay the same. But what I probably need to be mindful of is that that the mistake I may have made which is, is quite common is that uh, this player empowerment, player centred ownership is on a continuum where, and I think what I've probably done is I've gone in and um, gone from black to white rather than started and gradually drip fed it in there uh, you know it's funny because I've been with two two teams, one in New Zealand and one over here, the only two teams I've really been with in um, at a certain level and they like it, they like it what called routines and rituals, like I said and they like touch rugby as their warm-up before the warm-up and um, they like the splitting forwards and backs and what I found was that the way that you develop change is not simply by coming in and changing everything it's a gradual change i think probably in this instance i think i went in with my philosophy thinking it'd be more accepted more of the modern game more of the podcast you listen to and player-centered approaches and empowerment and i think this just doesn't i, I just think that i've probably gone in too quickly but doesn't mean that i'm going to change my philosophy so if you've gone in too quickly, and sometimes this happens when uh, we realise that we've probably started slightly on the wrong foot, how do you start the recovery? Well, I think what you what 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 you do is you just the change is slow. You know, you don't go from naught to hundred. Let's get to ten. What does ten look like? Well, ten might be something whereby you change the warm up to much more decision based decision making based warm up. Um, but what I've noticed is that with any change, the way that change is accepted is when the results and the impact is noticed. Um, and I think if you give players, make it player centered, empower players, there's that fear. They feel vulnerable because they're not, they don't, they, they like to be told because they don't like to make mistakes. They're not sure what to do. Um, they need guidance and they look to you as being their kind of Buddha, if you like. Um, so what I do is I would, you know, I'd very subtly just try and change things. Russ, what would you do differently or add to what Cheats has said? Well, I think Rich is spot on in that, you know, you, you have a philosophy for a reason. It's a big word that's that we're throwing around in coaching and, if you're if you're comfortable with your philosophy, then you shouldn't necessarily stray away from it. But 
it should always be flexible to the group you're working with. So what Rich is suggesting is, you know, is great. I, the questions I'd sort of have around it would be, um, you know, do they understand why you're putting them on that journey to be empowered and what their rugby could look like? And could you maybe show them if you, you know, if you have video footage or do you highlight it for your coach and go, well, look, this is what our rugby looks like when we are playing unstructured and you guys are taking the lead. But then I'd also look like if we're being a bit flexible to the, um, you know, I'd ask them what, what areas of the game do they want a bit more structure? Because it might not be the whole thing. They might actually go, we just we just need a bit of an idea of what we're doing off of kickoffs or something like that. And you go, okay, well, I can give you some ideas around that. But after those two bits of two phases of structure we give you we want you to play unstructured you know, you've got that bit of flex and bend to it so that might be a route i'd look to go down uh rach what would you say um again we're still looking maybe at an alternative um approach yeah difficult uh, i suppose if i was thinking as of devil's advocate i guess you know there's the they're an established men's team yes but are they successful and what they deem success on so if Einstein's quote, if you do what you always do, then you get what you always get. So that kind of, I suppose, there's an opportunity to challenge around that. Is that something that, um, you know, yes, this is what they do now, but what what could they do or what have they got the potential to, to be able to achieve? Uh, I think if it's, if it's stuff like they like the touch at the start of training, you know, alternatively, like maybe truck the youth team in against them and see how good they are at the game they think they're good at. Um, <laughs> Potentially, if it's a forwards-back split, maybe split them forwards and backs, but the forwards do the back stuff and the backs do the forward stuff and just, you know, play around with the scenarios that they're in. Okay, so there's some good fun ideas there. So uh, in terms of, um, I mean, the, the problem being, and Cheats is uh, saying things which I've done as well, where you, you race in with your philosophy and they're not ready to change. Uh, in your experience of introducing things which you want to do which they're not used to what sort of tips would you give to coaches from your I would say and let's say bitter experience but we've all been there and made mistakes what what would you what would you suggest to a coach not to sort of fall into that trap yeah I mean uh, I'll give you some examples uh, so when I when I've taught young coaches for the first time uh, and I've said right okay but, uh, I want you to do whatever you want. I'll give them a scenario where they can pretty much, it's very simple, like, almost, so do what you want with a tennis ball. Explore how you bounce, how it moves, how you catch it, catch it with one hand. Be really creative. Just do what you want. Um, but I want you to understand how, be more familiar with how that ball moves and how you need to move around it. And um, what I found is that I have to bench, I have to model, what I, I have to project what I want to come back. So, they come from an environment where they're used to structure, they're used to um, organisation, they're used to turning up and doing. And then I'm completely opposite. And I have to be mindful of that. And if I'm not mindful of that, it's going to make them really scared. But what they must be mindful of is that the consequences of them trying things are received positively, are kind of fed back positively. Because people aren't, People don't try new things. If the consequences of it going wrong are ones that are fearful, someone who shouts them, other players that shout to them. 
So you've already got to create a fostering environment where the consequences of, of them doing something different, crossfield kick or doing some offload that's, you know, one and whatever it is they do, is to celebrate the, the effort of it, not necessarily always the outcome if it isn't successful. So I would say, you know, be, stay, stay as Ross says, you know, this is my philosophy. It, it's dynamic, it changes, but ultimately at the core of it, those things won't change. And I would say that you get traction, you get movement when people see the benefits of what you've done. And there's a classic coaching thing is that early success breeds confidence. That means if they can see some difference that you've made by doing something very simple that is different, then that buy-in almost starts, it cascades and then eventually it becomes the norm. There's quite a lot of research about uh, backing up uh, what you said in the sense that um, success uh, it breeds motivation and learning breeds motivation, not motivation uh, the other other way around. So trying to create that sense of um, small successes. And also I'm interested uh, in the fact that if they if things are going wrong for them, you're almost uh, projecting the 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 problems onto you rather than onto them is that the sense is that a sense of it or have i got that wrong um i think we, we've talked about chaos games and i spoke to somebody this week uh jamie turkington in in in, in ulster rugby and and you know he said about the problem with the word chaos games is chaos is quite a, a word that can give people anxiety and you know chaos i don't know what's going on and I like the word problems-based learning. You can play games-based. We're going to learn through games, but that game has a problem we want you to solve. You know, and I think that's just, it, it, it's something that is a lot more constructive. You know, I think if it, if you want to play, as if you know, Ross says, you want players to feel free to play a certain way. You you have to give them. Th- subtly initially the opportunities to do that and recognize you know and celebrate success because what's the other option the other option is to go back what everybody else does and has done for years well that's not developing anybody you know i, I final final thing final thing sorry a yeah, true sorry. story when england won the world cup 2003 mike snelling england physio um, not at the time of the World Cup, but on the England Physio squad, went to um, Aussie Rules, I think, uh, the, the Australian Institute, 2004, came back and uh, he said, why have we still got bath, ice baths in the changing rooms? And what happened is that England had benchmarked change in 2003 and stopped. Everybody else had caught up and then gone one step ahead. And I think if you don't keep up with contemporary coaching and the principles of coaching and, and change they just get left behind which is a bit scary really because uh, we're uh, we think we've got a philosophy and an idea and that yet we are learning something well at the moment because there's so many webinars and uh, podcasts mm. going on we're learning something new every day so we're not quite sure what we believe in uh, is true than the next day so just uh, is there anything you'd add to that russ i think you know there's not a lot more to add there but you know from from very recent 
um, experience and being in a similar situation. I think actually things I would have changed is as a new coach in a club, you you want to come in and put your mark on and say how great you are and all these wonderful things you're going to do. But actually, until you've built up a level of connection and trust with the people you're going to work with, actually it's going to be very hard to to get that that buy-in potentially. So I think that's the first thing you've got to work on is always that relationship piece to be actually what, you know, it may, may be the starting point is, well, you guys show me what your rugby looks like currently and then we'll go from there. Um, and just get that buy and that trust. So, as as Rich said, when you um, when you bring in something new, people there's probably going to be an element of fear from a certain amount of people. And the more you can do to avoid that, hopefully the because what you want is long term success, not short term, right? So um, you need to make sure what you're implementing is going to stay in the long term, really. Rich. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Really, I think um, that I. Uh, I all jokes aside, um, the stuff with the the youth and the the mix and the players up, um, I think I've probably had some experience of doing that, uh, where teams have potentially been that group of players that have always been told what to do. Um, I think it comes from a generation and and potentially decades of of the way they've been coached. So it is a fear for a player to have the freedom to express themselves in a certain way, and I think sometimes putting them up against potential opportunities where you can, obviously, with uh, contact um, rules, etc., to to give them an opportunity to play against some youth players who may have a, potentially a bit more creativity and a bit more ambition to do those sort of problem solves and, and mix stuff up. And I think, you know, I've had experience at Colwyn Bay where we've, We've tried a certain game a little bit like you were saying, the touch before the warm-up um, scenario. And, and I you know, jumped into a youth session, showed them the same game, uh, just to fall into some basic structure on, on, on a whistle. And uh, the youth lads, you know, picked it up probably in, in a quarter of the time that the, the current senior players that I had did. And I think just their expression that when they played and that they were playing you know, with fun, laughter, creativity, trying stuff, crossfield kicks, you know, reverse passes, all sorts, um, almost gave a bit of a sort of, you know, unleashed the shackles a little bit on the on the more senior players that that, that was an option. And it, and it, you know, it's created an environment where that fear of failure is OK to try and, ex, you know, express stuff, certainly in training. Um, you know, why not create that environment so that people can do it? But I, you know, completely agree with the guys. It's it's got to be a bit of a figure out what the aspirations are of the players, what they do now. I think it's got to be a bit, a little bit drip fed. Although you want to go in as a coach with your new philosophy and your, your, you know, your shiny coaching manual. If that's not what the players or the club want from you, it's it's going to be a hard sell from day one. Yeah. Well, I'm going to unleash the skeleton from the cupboard and. Um... I shall say the scenario and any one of you can jump in, but we're going to go back to Russ's original scenario. So that's, it's not necessary for you to Russ for you to jump in, but it's the, remember the captain has called that Tuesday off. And uh, after he calls you, you find out that the captain is taking the lady physio out for dinner on Tuesday. The captain's wife, who's away at her mother's, doesn't know this. What do you do? God. 
It's a hell of a skeleton, Dan. Well, um, it's a hell of a skeleton. <laughs> it is uh, not something that uh, I've come across, but one of the previous guys said, well, this is a good one. I've had this happen. My, my gut, not to jump across anyone, but we'd probably be thinking about that. Initially, if it's the, the captain that wanted the Tuesday off, you know, is I know we spoke about that. Is there a leadership group that agree with that? Because obviously that sounds as if the whole scenario is potentially coming from their own uh, own sideline or <laughs> ambition that they have for the Tuesday night, which obviously doesn't correlate to the rest of the players. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, Rach. I think um, I think you have to be really careful as a coach that obviously there are some things you're going to have to get involved with, but actually it's not it's not a rugby issue. So actually, if it's something that could fall on the players, if you've got a good group of, of senior leaders that could could maybe take the first steps on that themselves, or potentially you're looking maybe even higher up the club than yourself as a coach to go, hang on, this is happening. It's not acceptable. We need someone to have a word. I think coaches do need to be careful about what they what they pick and choose to be involved in and where they spend their energy and actually you get involved in every little thing in the club, it can absolutely drain you. So I'd I'd probably tactically be looking to pass the buck on that somewhere, to be honest. <laughs> Cheats, what do you think? Well, uh, when it happened at a club I was at. <laughs> there we uh, are. Yeah, I mean, it, it caused, it caused uh, great, great turmoil and um, I think Ross is right you know at what point it's the fine line isn't it because you know um, where do you step in and, and feel like you're encroaching on something that's none of your business it's a difficult one I mean you know you've got you might have senior player groups or leadership groups who might be worth setting up not just for this scenario but for any scenario yeah, I I would be a bit lost on that one. I have to say, it's uh, I think you'd have to talk to people who know the who, whose advice you would respect and value. I think the culture at the club would be key to that as well. I think if that behaviour, or if the club had a set of values, or the club had a, a set of behaviours that they expected of the players, as you know that. Obviously, once there's that sort of conflict, as you rightly said, it can kick off into all sorts of scenarios. And I think that that would be where maybe, like like you're saying, it goes to another level within the club to say, is that something that that's acceptable? If if they're the captain and that's that's where the, you're sort of you're setting the bar, you know, what what does that then sort of uh, say to the rest of players within that group if that's acceptable? If we've got that Tuesday night off, we could find out the restaurant and all go and have dinner there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there well, that sounds the that sounds the probably the best solution, and then and then then see what happens. I suppose um, why it's the question is particularly pertinent is that you're trying to get that balance between how much do you need to help people with their their lives outside rugby, and I think we always want to take an interest in the best parts of their lives outside rugby. Uh, but when it has an impact on the team, they're making what is probably is a well, it's obviously a selfish decision which impacts on the team. Do you actually pull the captain aside and say, we aren't 
going to tra- we are going to train on the Tuesday um, and not make any allusion to the fact that you know more about it? Or do you actually say, look, I know why you're doing this? Which would you go with? Would you just sort of sort of almost play, um, I don't know what's going on, but this is what's going to happen? Or do you actually, would you ever feel comfortable to uh, do that? If you've, if you've worked with them for a, a number of years, I don't know what the situation is. And this has uh, been captain for a couple of years, I think it was, wasn't it? So you've worked with them for a couple of years. You'd hope there'd be a relationship that you could just say, look, you know, I'm not here to judge what you're doing, but just are you aware that that these could be the potential consequences and leave it there? So maybe not offer advice, but just say, have you thought about it like this? And then, you know, if you've got that relationship, hopefully you're reasonably friendly anyway. So put on a different hat if you felt you needed to. Yeah, maybe if you haven't got that relationship, find, speak to somebody who, oh, I don't know, uh, I'm kind of kind of, Maybe not, not. But if to know it, I was going to say speak to somebody who knows them well. But what if the person who knows them well doesn't know that's going on? So I don't know if that's the right thing, really. <laughs> it is. A, so, it is a pretty. Um, it's a big skeleton in yeah. that cupboard. Rach, would you yeah. offer anything else on this? I think, like, if it was the back to the whether to train on the Tuesday night or not, and I think if it if it was one person's view you know I, I i would want someone else's view on whether they trained or not and you know i suppose all jokes aside from the meal aspect where you triple that book out the restaurant i mean if the you know going back to the scenario if the team was a little bit low in motivation is that something where you know we've already discussed you, you put on a social and would the captain turn up to that social that would be the the next question yeah and who wins? not the dinner yeah <laughs> That was a rattly big skeleton. Now we've had a chance to go through all the scenarios. What would be really interesting is just to reflect back on your experiences from your own scenario and what, what sort of would be the key points that you would think, yeah, now I've, now I've gone back through it, this is what I would do uh, in this situation. So, Russ, if you remember, we've got uh, the captain wanting not to train on the Tuesday. Uh, what's, your, what's your sort of final thoughts on that? Are we are we still adding the skeleton? Onto uh, well, the you can take the skeleton, uh, put the skeleton back in the cupboard if you want. Yeah, the skeleton right. back in the restaurant. <laughs> just yeah, a vicious rumor, was it? I'd always be inclined to just ask those questions. Okay, why? You know, why do you feel that this is the right thing for the team? And um, I, yeah, I'd always want to want to support the players in what they want to do. Really. So if I felt it was the right thing for them and we were going to have a cracking Thursday night session off the back of it, then yeah, my inclination would still be to go with that. But equally, if they if they didn't really have good justification and it was just, oh, we're a bit tired, then actually maybe it's just a case of changing up the type of session that you do and just being aware of, or just be aware of what their needs might be for that, that week's training. And something else, I, th- I can't remember who said it, uh, but the idea that you almost, sometimes you plan a Tuesday off in advance so people know it's coming and i think that uh, that's also something that they may they may look forward to and actually if you're thinking uh, back to playing with say under 10s under 11s actually maybe telling them that uh, you're going to have a week off uh, in advance so they can maybe plan to go away and i certainly think the parents quite like a, a sunday morning off sometimes okay uh rach so we had uh, the situation where 
the player coach was going to come in and take over if you went if you were promoted yeah I still think for me it's it's quite selfishly based around where where I would see myself in my own journey if if that's something that would sit with me but certainly take on board uh, the you know the devil's advocate advice around potentially challenging a little bit why and and putting potentially a bit more of a value on myself as a coach uh, I like the flip side of leaving leaving on a promotion but you know, for me, if there's an emotional buy-in or, or you've you've had a significant investment in a club, I'd want to know that, that that player coach coming in, you know, why they were in, where they wanted to see the, the club go. And equally, is, is there something to, if there's an opportunity to stay at that club, grow grow it, um, develop it and retain players, you know, that that step into the second team or the youth, you know, that might be a e- equally developing challenging challenge for the coach yeah i think uh, in addition to that two things which also came out um i think as russ said sometimes looking after a second team is actually a very difficult job you're you're more managing than coaching and so as you said you've got to look very carefully at what the other opportunities are and cheats also said about leaving your hometown club is often extremely difficult because of all the very strong ties that you have the travel and that sort of thing and sometimes we, we might just have to hold out. But I think also the fact that you've got to be look after yourself and where you're supposed to be going as much as you know, take one for the team. I think that's important. So, Cheats, uh, I gave you the situation where you were looking at a team where you'd come in and tried to engender uh, empowerment and a player centred approach. And they weren't responding as well as you'd hoped. What would you... What would you reflect back on? Well, I think um, you know, one, of the, one of the great qualities of any coach is, is that sort of humility, accepting that you've made a mistake and there's no point in, you know, keep on driving something because that's what you believe in um, with you banging your head against a brick wall. And I think that whilst I wouldn't change my philosophy, I would certainly uh, gradually um, embed it gradually, uh, you know, expose the players to it bit by bit rather than going and making the assumption that, you know, this is what I've studied, this is what I, how I used to play, this is what I've watched and webinars and done with other teams and other groups. And I've come here and culturally it didn't, didn't fit. And I think that I would say, well, I'm not going to retreat from my philosophy. I'm just, I'm just going to be a little bit slower about how I'd introduce it. But making sure there is some reflections, because when I said before, you know, it, it's getting by and it's having leadership groups, it's explaining why you're doing. Maybe I didn't explain why enough to people, because people will do things if they can see the difference it makes to them. And I, I mean, obviously, we this is not what you'd be doing now, because you would have, as you said, uh, you would have learned more about the group and what they what they their needs and wants were before you start this. But I think we've also or probably all of us at some stage gone through that situation where we've rushed ahead because we're thinking three or four steps ahead and the players and the group aren't necessarily uh, keeping keeping pace with us. So, yeah, I mean, it's the, to say and to sense you've got to be um, have some humility is 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 very important in in all these things. That's uh, that's all the rooms gone through. And uh, I want to say thank you very much 
to Cheats, Russ and Rach for putting themselves in the spotlight. We are told to get ourselves feeling uncomfortable so we can learn. And I expect with time to reflect, we might all do things at least a little bit differently next time. So if you want to comment, please go to at Rugby Coach Week Twitter or the Rugby Coach Weekly Facebook page to post your own thoughts. However, I'm sure you will agree that all three have been very impressive under the pressure of the haunted house. And I'm very pleased to say they have all safely left the Rugby Coach Weekly Haunted House. And they are, I think, still smiling. Uh, or maybe just remembering one of Cheats's jokes. That might have been the reason why they're, they're smiling, trying to remember exactly how to tell it. So uh, once again, I'd like to thank Richard Cheatham. Thank you very much. I really, I really, really enjoyed it, Dan. And, and great to work with everybody tonight. I thought it was a really innovative idea you got. Thanks, Richard. And thank you very much to Rachel Taylor. Thank you, Dan. Uh, again, thanks for the, the company on the call, guys. And I look forward to the rattling chains being added, Dan. <laughs> well, that's the first thing I'm going to get to. I'm going to put extra chains in there. And <laughs> thank uh, thanks very much to Russell Bolton. Cheers, Dan. It's been, um, been a lot of fun to converse with everyone and uh, share ideas. And thank you. Uh, again all and thank you very much for listening and goodbye from the rugby coach weekly haunted house and we hope to see you soon <laughs>